Well, it's good to see see you here. It's good to see all the people we have online. We got lots of lots of people online today, and it's uh, I'm glad that you've taken the time this morning to join us here for church. And I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm thankful for everyone in person. Don't don't let me think that I care only about the online people, but. You know, pastors really like when people show up to church. And we live in a cool day and age where, where you can still show up to church even if you uh, are still at home. And I don't, know if, I don't know about you, but sometimes there is the struggle. Like, I really don't want to get out of bed just yet. Or I'm really comfortable in my PJs. Or it's just a little cold outside and I'd really like to stay home. And, and how many have ever been there before? Like, if you could be honest. Yeah, Good. All right. And how many, and now this is a real point of honesty, how many have given in to that pressure before? All right. I'm a pastor. I have to show up. Okay. So, uh, but there's some moments, if I'm honest, today's not one of them, but there's some moments where I go, you know what? I'd kind of just like it if church was pre-recorded and online this week and I just had to sit there and watch. And so all I have to say is I'm thankful for the effort that you have made to join us here online and in person. And however you're, you're connecting with church today and connecting with God, we are thankful for that in this moment. Now, uh, this year uh, is an exciting year, as is every year. And I say that every year because every year is an exciting year. How many think they can repeat what I just said? Yeah, very good. Somebody is paying attention. This is why we hired Pastor Katie, because she knows. She gets it. And I've been praying kind of the last little while, the last few months and weeks, and sort of saying, you know, is there a theme, God, that you want us to focus on? Is there something that we need to be reminded of or need to learn or need to kind of grow into and and all these kinds of things. And there's just one word that kind of kept coming back and coming back and coming back and, and, and kind of filling in some of the answers to that question as I prayed. And this word movement came to my mind. And I kind of popped up here and there, movement, movement. Well, what does that actually mean? And so we're going to get to that in just a second. And so I really felt that 2022 North Shore Church is going to be a church on the move. And that doesn't mean we're, like, moving the church physically, like, building-wise. No, of course not. I mean, you never know what God's going to have in store. But I don't think that's what God's speaking. Maybe he said that to you and we can chat later. But the point is, is that I, uh, we are called as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, to go and make disciples. And there is a world that is ready to hear the good news of Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of people that are afraid. And there's a lot of people that are afraid because they don't have hope. And uh, I imagine if we are online, if we're here in person this morning, we're here because we have a hope in something that's bigger than ourselves. We have a hope in Jesus. And he has given us the ability to share that hope with the world around us. And so I believe that 2022 is a, is a time of year, this season of this year is not that, and again, I don't want to say that we, we haven't been doing this. If anything, it's a continuation of a journey that we've already begun. But I would encourage us that maybe in our own personal lives, as an extension, as a part of the family of North Shore Church, that there would be something in us, something that would stir within us, that maybe we would move somewhere, we would go somewhere, we've 
we will do something personally that we have never done before. Maybe it's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone. And Pastor Gary, I'm just trying to build my comfort zone. You know the world's kind of crazy right now. Don't tell me to get out of it. I'm trying to build a nest here. (laughs) Following Jesus isn't always comfortable, okay? Now, does he give us peace? Yes. Does he tell us to find rest? Absolutely. Do those things. Do what you have to do. Protect those things. But don't be afraid to... To, to pray and ask the voice of God what your next step is. Don't be afraid to reach out to that loved one or friend. So, like, uh, one day I'm going to get Bill to tell his story. But he shared with me a couple weeks ago. He's like, you know, Pat started coming to this church, and I started to come on occasion, and then I'd go to Mass. And he said every time I'd come, the pastor would give an invitation to follow Jesus. And Bill tells me the story. He says, he says you know, he says, if you ask one more time, like, this is ridiculous. So he showed up next week, and of course the pastor asked, gave an invitation one more time. And instead of taking off, you know what Bill did? He made a move. He made a move to the front, and he responded to God's call on his life to be a follower of Jesus. Is that accurate, Bill? We'll get you to tell your own story another time. Because who wants to hear Pastor Gary tell someone else's story? No one, right? But just as an example, right? This is, this is what the work that God has done in Terrace Bay. This is the work that God has done on the North Shore. A life that was far from Jesus, he's brought close to him because someone gave him an invitation. And so whatever your move is this year, we want to be a church on the move. All right, so the definition of movement, I don't know if you can read it on the screen behind me or my big head is in the way, but a group of people working together to advance change in development. I'm not talking about just movement as an example, but a movement. What's really exciting about our church and the fellowship that we're a part of is is that we, we didn't really start as a denomination. We started as a movement. We started as a group of people coming together, hungry to see God move in a world that was desperate to see God move, and God sent his Holy Spirit, and miracles started to happen. People started to find faith. People started to find hope. And you can go to, uh, was it Queen Street East in Toronto, and you can go to the very building where a lady prayed day and night, that God would move. And eventually, he did. And she began to speak in another language, and she began to minister to people, and people would come, and they would be healed. People would come, and they'd be fed. People would have their lives completely changed, upside down, turned around, set on the right path, and crazy, amazing miracles would take place. Supernatural things would happen. And it birthed a movement across our nation. And we are a part of that today, a group of people working together to advance change and development. I don't know, but would you agree with me this morning? There's a couple things in our world that need to change. There's probably a couple things in how we do things on the North Shore that need to change a little bit. Like, did you know that we still have people that go to bed hungry? Did you know that we still have people that get sick and there's no medical cure for them? Did you know that there are people who can't afford to pay their rent, can't afford their mortgage. Believe it or not, we actually have couch surfers. Uh, We have people that are disabled and can no longer live in their homes, but they have nowhere else to go. And they have no ability to fix their homes because there's nobody here or not enough people around that can do the renovations necessary for them to stay in their homes. And that is not like Scriber. 
That's not like Toronto or Thunder Bay. That's in our own communities, Terrace Bay, Scriber, all over. These problems exist. And I believe, as a church, we can be a part of that solution. Now, on top of that, did you know that there's a lot of people that have anxiety? There's a lot of people that have all kinds of depression and emotional issues, identity issues. A lot of our young people struggle. I mean, it's crazy time, right? We know this. We're living it. We're living the dream right now. We know it. We see it everywhere. And in all of that, in all of that, you and I hold the answers to a lot of these issues. Now, it doesn't mean that the issues always go away, because even in the storm, Jesus was there and he brought peace in the middle of the storm. But I'd rather go to bed anxious and have peace at the same time than not have Jesus at all in my life. I don't know, that's, maybe that's just me. But here is, uh, here's who I kind of believe God's called us to be. I don't know if you can read that on the screen, but I'll read it to you. We at North Shore Church, we're not a country club. If you want a club, go join Bill on the golf course in the summer. Go start a toboggan club. It'll be a blast. You may make the building look pretty, but we're not a club. We're a family. We're a family. And family sometimes gets a little bit messy. Some of us are funny looking. Some of us smell different. Some of us are old. Some of us are young. Some of us think we're old. Some of us think we're young. Some of us think we're perfect, and the rest of us know you're not. I'm teasing. I'm talking about me, by the way. Some of us come from different backgrounds. Some of us are a different culture. But at the end of the day at North Shore Church, we are family. And if you've never walked through the door of our church, you've only watched us online, let me know. Let me tell you this. We want you to be part of the family. And so the moment you walk through the door, we want you to know that you belong here because God wants you to belong in his family. And so when you walk through the door, you're part of the North Shore Church family. Saved by grace, restored in love, called by God to work together to advance, change, and develop the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. We are a family saved by grace, restored in love, called by God to work together to advance change, develop the kingdom of God. And this is what I said. We are a church in motion, a church that is on the move. Someone say move. Someone say it a little bit louder. Not, thank you. I knew I, knew I could count on you, Ronan. Some of you with the deeper voice sound a little bit more like a cow. Move. Over. I don't know, the word motion is the action or process of moving or being moved. We are a movement as a PAOC church, a movement that is called by God, empowered by the Spirit to be moved. We are moved by the Spirit every time we put down our nets the way that Jesus called his disciples and we follow Jesus. Every time we put aside our agendas, every time we lay aside our hopes and dreams. Now, don't get that confused with the dreams that God gives us because maybe your dreams are his dreams. I'm not talking about that. But maybe we have ambitions, we have ideas of our own. Every time we lay down ourselves and we follow Jesus, we are on the move. When we're moved by the Spirit, a change takes place. 
a change in our innermost being takes place, and it flows out of us to those who are closest to us, and it flows out of us to the communities around us. And when that happens, the kingdom of God begins to flourish, and the kingdom of God begins to grow. In a world that is spinning, we are constant and steadfast in God's love. In a world of pain and suffering, we bring healing and comfort. In a world of worry and fear, we bring joy and hope, all in Jesus' name. As devoted and passionate followers of Jesus, we are North Shore Church on the move. Now, I don't know if you've ever been down the road uh, to the old Legion building here in town, but there is an amazing person that works in that building. And uh, you walk into the, to the room, and they have this nice little bed that you can lay on. And she begins to work your bones. She's called a chiropractor. I don't know if you've ever been to a chiropractor before. But I like the name of her business. She calls it Movement Lab. If you've ever seen Dr. Myla, you know who I'm talking about. Because it is the best place to visit in town, by far. After North Shore Church, of course. But you walk in there. Now, maybe if you... I, I think if you go there, you will leave feeling amazing, all right? Because what she does is she takes all of your bones and the ones that are not quite where they're supposed to be and all of these things. I mean, I don't know anything science, right? I'm not, you know, whatever. I just know. I go there. She tells me to do exercises. I don't do them. And she yells at me the next time I go. And she makes me feel good anyway, all right? So we go and she adjusts things and she makes things kind of just right. And it feels really nice. And I get up and I stretch and I go, can I just book another appointment right now? Because I'd like to do it again. And of course, that doesn't happen ever. But the chiropractor brings things into alignment so that you can move freely. All right? Maybe do a little stretch because I feel like this is the moment where we just kind of do a stretch. Pastor Katie kind of had us work out our stuff when we were doing the kids' song. But anyways, just kind of do that stretch. Yeah. Get that free movement. What she does is she helps us move freely so, you know, I can do all the jumping jacks, push-ups, and running that I want, and my wife just laughs at me. But she helps us experience that full range of motion in our body. And so I think the next little while, as we're going to jump into the book of Isaiah here in a minute, I kind of want to go through a couple maybe spiritual exercises to help make sure things that are in alignment between our heart and God's heart. To make sure that we are on the straight and narrow path that God has called us, that he's redeemed us for, that he's given us grace to pursue. And so I, my, my prayer is that we would get to know God, the great physician, the great chiropractor, if you will, and ask him to align a few things. Now let me just be clear. I don't think as a church we're moving in the wrong direction and I'm saying, okay, God, you got to slap us in the face and like, come on, guys. Like, sometimes we need the slap in the face. I do, I know. No one's ever done it though, so... I just do what I want. But anyways, it's, it's important for us to be proactive. It's important for us to ask the questions and ask the Lord to determine our steps and actions. Because after all, we're only successful in mission if we're closely following Jesus. Right? We're only successful in mission if we're closely following Jesus. And so I really want us to be a church that follows closely with Jesus. When people meet us on the street, when they see something that we're doing, they're like, man, there's got to be something supernatural and divine about those people because there's something crazy different that I can't understand. And we know it's because we walk with Jesus. We're full of the Spirit of God, and we walk with Jesus. 
And so when we walk with Jesus, you know, he often will bring us correction or he'll give us our next steps. And that's all we're doing today. I'm not going to stand up here as a, as, a, as, a, as a fire brimstone preacher, point my finger at you and tell you all are going to hell because that's not going to help you get to heaven. All right. That's not going to be encouraging. And the reality is, is that I stand on the stage so I can take off my mask and talk to you and not get in trouble with the health unit or spread my lovely Gary germs to you, all of those things. But the reality is, is I'm right there with you. And as we're going to read here in a minute from the book of Isaiah, we know that the leaders are just as, if not more, um, more responsible for the sins of Israel just as everybody else is. And so every time you feel that I'm pointing the finger at you, say, well, he's just saying it to himself. So, you know, way to go, Pastor Gary. It's all, you know, it's on you too. So know that I'm not, uh, I'm not coming from a negative spot here, but just a desire that we just get so close to Jesus. So let's, um, let's stop babbling, Pastor Gary, and let's just jump into the book of Isaiah today. And I don't know how long we're going to spend in this book, but Isaiah says some pretty important things. Isaiah says some pretty cool things. And uh, let me give you this quick um, overview of the prophets in Isaiah a little bit. A quick history lesson, if you will, because maybe some of you don't know this lesson. But um, we have to go all the way back to Abraham. We could go a little bit farther, but Abraham was called by God to leave his home because God gave Abraham a promise. And he said, I'm going to take you from your father's house and you're going to go live somewhere else, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to have sons and daughters, and they're going to measure the, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your, 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 your generations to come, they're going to just be full, and they're going to be my people, and they're going to be blessed, and they're going to bless the nations. All right, so Abraham, through a series of events, kind of jumps the gun, does his own thing, but eventually has a son with the right wife, not her mistress, and he creates, uh, begins to set out his family's lineage. And so he has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Jacob tricks his brother. And so right out of the beginning, you know, as, as God begins to form this nation, people get in the way and Jacob kind of just, you know, really throws his brother under the bus. We'll talk about that another time. But Jacob ends up having 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And as their family grows, there's a famine in the land. And so through a series of events, his brothers were really great guys. They all loved each other. They loved each other so much. They took one of their youngest brothers and they sold him into slavery because they loved him that much. I'm really sarcastic right now in case you don't know. They didn't love him. He was a dreamer. He told them off and he was just young and a punk. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Again, this is just a quick history lesson. They go to Egypt Joseph becomes the second in command, and the followers, all of his family, join him because Egypt has food, because God told Joseph to save food for the world. And what do you know? The world is blessed through who? A descendant of Abraham. Pretty important note out of all the history you talk about. Pay attention to that one. And the world is saved because someone chose to be obedient to God. All right, Israelites now in Egypt, their families grow. I don't know if you know, if you had 12 sons and they all got married and had kids, that's, that's a lot of people. And they just kept having kids, okay? And having kids. And so they had lots of kids, which means they had lots of fun. And then they grew their nation. And they grew and they grew and they grew and they grew and they grew. And they grew and they grew and they grew and they grew. And the Egyptians went, there's so many of them, they're going to overtake us. We must 
put them to work. And so they make them slaves. God delivers them from slavery through Moses. We go through the Exodus. And something special happens when God delivers his people from Egypt. They go to the mountain, and Moses meets with God, and God gives them a law. He gives them ten commandments. We call it the Mosaic Law. A way that God's children could live. A set of rules that would identify them as God's chosen people. Are you with me yet? Are you, are you tired? Are you bored? You're like, move on with it, Pastor Gary? Great. Let's go back to the notes. I'm doing it all from memory now. But he gives them a set of rules to be their holy people. Not rules to harm them. Not because God was being mean and saying, I don't want you to have any fun, blah, 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 blah. But I've set you apart for a special purpose. Here is the way that I want you to live. And we know that they're not always the best at following rules. All right? So they walk around the desert for 40 years because, well, they were ignorant. And they said, we're going to do what we want. And God said, no, this is how you want to live. Then you go ahead and do that in the desert. And so they wander the desert. They all die. Their kids go to the promised land. Um, When they are obedient, God's children, everything always works out for them. When they walk in disobedience, it leads them into trouble. It's all like Ronan. When you follow the rules, like things go well for you, right? And when you break the rules, things usually don't work out for you. For example, I met a child the other day, and since I don't interact with any other children, you can guess who it was. They asked me. They were really good all day long. They they were really helpful, and they didn't get into too much trouble. And then they're like, hey, can we have a treat and a snack? And, you know, I was really like, I was ready to say yes. And the other child that was there, was present, started talking about a treat that they already had in their bag. And the other one looks at them like, shut up. What are you talking about? There's nothing in the bag. And so I looked them straight in the eye, and I said, do you have a treat in your bag. Because I know that they shouldn't have a treat in their bag because their bag had stuffies in it and toys. And they got this blank look. I don't want to say yes because I'll be in trouble. I don't want to lie because I can't keep a straight face and lie. And that's wrong too. So I asked again, do you have a treat in your bag? What are they talking about? I need words, Sonny. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where did you get the train? So long story short, they stole it. Not stole it, stole it from a store. And I said to them, I said, if you had asked me if you could have it, I would have said yes. Because you had done really well today, like good helpers and listened really well. And things went really well today. It would be a really good reward for you to have this treat. But you broke the rules and you decided to steal and then try to cover it up and lie about it. And so things did not go as well. See, we struggle with these things. All right. Israelites. They walk in the promised land. They follow Joshua, who leads them over rivers to defeat many armies, but not every army, not every nation. And so there's still some influences. And every city and kingdom in the world had a king. And Israel kind of said to God, hey, God, how come we don't have a king? And so God said, fine, if you want to do it your way, I'll give you a king. But it's not going to go well for you. King Saul is chosen. And guess what happens to King Saul? He goes crazy, and things don't work out so well for them. We get King David, and he's the greatest king Israel ever had. Israel had more land, more resources, more everything they ever had. But even David himself isn't 
perfect, makes a few mistakes along the way, adds some confusion as to who should follow him as king, made a promise he really didn't want to keep, and so, so on, so forth, really had a hard time with succession planning in his kingdom. Needless to say, Solomon becomes king, and Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, and even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, made some really bad decisions. He took everything that, all the economic prosperity that Israel had built up, and he basically wasted it all like a rich trust fund kid getting his inheritance, if you could put it that way. Soon after Solomon's death, things really start to unravel. Because things are so prosperous for them, they really decided they didn't need to rely on God anymore, and they wanted power for themselves, and there was this internal struggle. The kingdom of Israel splits into two. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. Now Israel, the northern kingdom, they don't last long. Like, they're just a lot of evil. Just, they didn't last long at all. And Judah, they did okay. They kind of had this on-again, off-again relationship. On-again, off-again, on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again relationship. And as Israel is divided and as it's exploited, as other nations begin to rise up around them and take over, we see something incredible happen. As God's chosen people are taken into slavery and made to live under foreign governments, God sends help. See, when things start to unravel, when things start to fall apart in our lives, this is one principle we can take away today, is we can always remember the words, but God. Someone say, but God. But God sent help. God sent servants. He sent prophets. In Hebrew, the two words to describe a prophet, one is to see or to gaze. The second meaning is the called one. And so you kind of put those together, and a prophet is someone who is called by God who can see what God sees. Someone who is called by God who is a servant who can kind of put on the God glasses or the prophetic glasses to see what God's ways truly are. There are moments in our lives, I think, that we pray, God, would you just give me a sign? Let me know you're here. God, write something on the wall. Like, you did that for Daniel, and he interpreted it. Like, can you do that to me? By the way, when God wrote on that wall, it wasn't a good message. Maybe don't ask God to write on the wall. Just throwing that out there. But someone who is called by God to be a servant who can see the things that God sees. And that's kind of where we are at today. So in the middle of this turmoil that Egypt or that Israel is facing, whether they were coming out of Egypt or whether they were under the oppression of whatever fill-in-the-blank nation you want, eventually Babylon, Persia, and Assyria, all of these nations, in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of their disobedience, but God sends help. The prophets come and help people understand who God is, how God operates. They help people understand what God wants and see where God is leading. And that's kind of my prayer for us, as we believe that God has called us to be a church on the move, is that we would see who God is. We would experience by getting close to him who God really is, how God operates, that we would know what God wants and we would see where God is leading. And this is where I think we can learn a couple things from some of the Old Testament prophets for this next season. Now, prophets often brought were, I mean, you said, Gary, you make it sound so good. The prophets were amazing, and they were, but they brought some pretty stern doom and gloom messages. 
like you're all going to die. But always tied the doom and gloom message with a message of hope. God always gave them a way out. Prophets are servants of God who saw God's will for his people and they grieved deeply at their failings. Prophets, they're not fortune tellers, but they had vision for God's kingdom as a whole. And this is what I like about the prophets. The prophets get really creative in their communication. They use lots of cool techniques like telling parables and stories and making comparisons. They use songs. They use laments. My favorite one, of course, is sometimes prophets can be extremely sarcastic. They use rhetorical questions to get their point across. I don't know if you know anybody else in the Bible like that. You let me know if you do. Especially someone that used parables and rhetorical questions. And so as we get to Isaiah, I said we're going to get there like 20 minutes ago. As we get to Isaiah, see if you can pick out some of these very expressive things that he says. Some of the sarcastic things that he says. And so let me just read just a little bit today from Isaiah chapter 1. You could read it all. Uh, Isaiah, the very first verse of chapter 1, tells us that he is the son of Amos. Now, does anybody know what is significant about Amos, Isaiah's father? Does anybody know? Deep back into your Bible history and knowledge and understanding, does anybody know what is significant about him? Nothing. The only thing we know about him is that he's Isaiah's father. Some of you looked a little bit worried and concerned. All you need to know, and that's all we know, just throwing that out there, making sure you're awake, making you think. All right, Isaiah 1. Let's read the Bible there, Pastor Gary. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, and listen to the instructions of our God, you prophets of Gomorrah. Oh, by the way, that's the sarcasm coming out. The multitudes of your sacrifices, there goes the page. The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to me to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate them with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash. Okay, let me pause there. Let me pause there. How many would love to hear that next time you pray? And that's what God says to you. Anybody at all? And I don't see too many hands. Let's see if there's any hands online this morning. No, those are not the things that we want to hear when we call out to God, by any means. By any means, shape, or form. Nothing. Not what we want to hear. Uh, You're praying, and you pray a lot. Sorry, I'm not listening. Yeah, we don't want that response. Um, You really have to appreciate some of the language. So, like, if you keep reading, I think, in verse, or chapter 2, 
Um, in the English Standard Version, Isaiah gets a little bit colorful with his language. He begins to call the whole family of Israelites whores. NIV, the New King James, New King James is a little bit more uh, pleasing. He calls them harlots. NIV calls them prostitutes. Maybe a little bit more pleasing to the ear. But the ESV just kind of goes straight out and is like, no, this is exactly how you're behaving. I'm going to call you a name. It's not going to be a nice name. And that's who you are because that's how you're behaving in light of who God is. Now, the lesson that we learn out of this year of movement is this. I hope you pick up on what's happening here. The Israelites who have experienced every miracle and every blessing of God have been unfaithful. They continue to pray, but their prayers go unanswered. They continue to worship, but God is not listening. They continue to bring sacrifices and perform the rituals that God gave them to do. And God says, I don't want them. They're a burden to me. But they're never made clean from their stained, sinned hands. They raise their hands in worship, and they raise their hands in desperation. And God says, I don't know what you're doing. They're covered in blood. You know, all of these ordinances that God had given to them, they intended to foster true commitment and practice among his people. It would move them to humble purity of heart. But instead, they chose to use these practices as a way to manipulate God to get what they want, to do what they want it to do. It's kind of like saying, look, God, I'm doing all the right things. I'm saying all the right words. But secretly inside my heart, I'm doing what I want to do because it's what feels good. It's what feels best. Or it's just what I want. But look, I'm still doing the right things. Look, I lo- look, 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 God, I logged into church online. I really went to church today. Again, if you're online, I'm just teasing you. You can do what you got to do. Look at that, God. I showed up to church today. It's been, you know. I'm here. I even put on a nice shirt today. I even changed my socks. I sincerely hope that when we as a church pray, God hears our prayers. I certainly hope that when we pray, we're praying God's will and not our own. I don't choose the songs that I choose or have someone else choose the songs that we do do to sing a certain way or to do it just the right, I don't read scripture just the right way as a way to convince God to move. No, I pray the words that I pray. I sing the songs that I sing. I lead the songs for us to sing. I read all of this as a method and as an avenue to get to know God and his will. Not to manipulate God. I said, uh, in these moments of doom and gloom, there's always this glimmer of hope. There's always a way forward. And this is where we we come in Isaiah. Now, I can tell you, they didn't respond well. They didn't take the correct response, but, but there is still hope. Isaiah 16, instructions are given. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Are you ready for some more hope this morning? Verse 18. Come now, 
Let us settle the matter. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good good things of the land. But if you resist and you rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If the people obeyed, they would again experience the divine blessing, the form of peace, and agricultural prosperity, which was everything. But as we just read, if they continued on the path that they were walking, if they continued in this journey, the final stroke of judgment would come. And if you read ahead in Isaiah, you know what path they chose. They chose against God. They chose to rebel. They chose the path of destruction. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Because God gave a promise to Adam and to Eve. God gave a promise to every generation Even though this generation lost the Holy Land to another foreign power, God sent a Savior. Sacrifices came from impure motives and their hands committed deeds of social injustice that God would no longer longer honor their prayers. But that doesn't have to be us because forgiveness is always available. Hope always rises. In every circumstance. It's really fascinating. If you want to do a little bit of study, you can look at some of the social injustices that were taking place. Um, I encourage you, if you want to spend some time studying Isaiah 1, things like uh, taking land from the poor. Kind of like the, hey, if we raise their taxes enough, they can't live in their home anymore, and we'll just take it over. And the rich become richer, the poor become poor, and all of these injustices begin to take place. And God even says, look, I need you to be a father to the fatherless. I need you to be a protector of the widow, not exploit them for your benefit. So how do we pray? What do we got to do for God to hear our prayers? Well, he gave us the answer. It's simply this, repent and turn to him. Repent means this, turn, go on this way, And now you're going this way, turning to the higher things of God. Psalms tells us that God responds to the prayers of who? The righteous. James 4.3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. If we ask anything according to God's will, he will hear us. Now, let me just pause and say, not all prayers that go unanswered mean that we have some deep, dark sin in our lives. That's not always the case. Because sometimes God answers, and it's sometimes just not the answer that we wanted but we can still pray for God's will. Do you need to go take a minute? Maybe you do. Maybe it's not the answer that we're looking for. But James says, if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And so how do we know, Pastor Gary, what God's will is? We're given the answer. I said it already this morning and this week. Pray 
continually, rejoice always, and in every situation give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The more we know God, the more close we get to him, the deeper our relationship with him gets, the more we know how to pray, and the more we know what to pray. So again, we, we, can, we can set up patterns and rituals in our lives, but they all come down to this purpose of getting to know God more, growing with him deeper and deeper. We can read the Bible cover to cover. We can set a plan to do it in 30 days, in 60 days, in 90 days, a year, over two years, three years. It doesn't matter. If you do it as a ritual and say, look, God, look what I did, it's not going to matter. Because we do those things to grow deeper in our prayers. Our shallow, selfish prayers will fade the closer we get to Jesus. The more we get to know God, the more we know what to pray. The more we know what to speak, and we learn how to pray with boldness. We learn how to pray with conviction, and we learn how to pray with a prophetic voice. Now, how amazing is it if you're walking so close with Jesus, and you come across somebody as you're on the move, as you're on the go, and God just begins to speak to you, and you know the sound of his voice because you've been talking with him. And you're able to just stand there and give them incredible insight about who God is and how God sees that person. That, to me, is an incredible moment of faith, an incredible moment of growth. Sacrifice and offering. I didn't even talk about the whole money thing. I've, I've seen that way too many times in situations and never here. But I had a professor in college once who was pastoring a church and he had a really ticked off congregation member because the church was doing something he didn't like. And he was a very wealthy man. And he said, he, he basically walked in on the board meeting and said, if you guys don't do what I want, I'm leaving and taking all my money with me. And my, my donations are half the, half the budget of this church. That was what he did. I don't know how that gets you closer to God, but that's what he did. I'm so thankful that that's not us at North Shore Church. I'm so thankful that I'm a part of a family that gives because they want to see God move. We give offerings and sacrifices as an outward expression of our inward condition. We don't give out of obligation, but we give because we know that God is on the move inside of us. And we're sacrificing to him, we're giving an offering to him because of the deep change and transformation that has taken place in our hearts on the inside. We realize that everything we have is actually his anyway. The change in all of us coming together is what begins to shape the world around us. The closer we get to God, the more things that we do, they no longer become rituals, but they become acts of love in relationship with God. And they begin to develop the kingdom of God all around us. It makes us, no longer, makes us no longer long for a club of rituals, but a group of people to, be, to belong to. Because a group of people that become a movement, a movement to see love win, a movement to see grace flow freely, and a movement that changes everything forever. God gave Abraham a promise that his people would be a blessing to all nations. And so many times those people threw it all away and they'd come back, they threw it all away. And finally God said, enough is enough. I think you finally learned the lesson that none of you are perfect, that none of you can pay the price of your sin. And so finally he sends somebody. He sends Jesus. And Isaiah, we'll get there, Isaiah 9, he says he sends him 
to be called Emmanuel, God with us. A pure, spotless bride, pure, spotless lamb to take away the sins of the world. Someone that is out of the line of David, out of the line of Abraham, a blessing to all nations of the world. And today, we are adopted into that same family. And we carry with us every spiritual blessing, Ephesians tells us. And so we get to walk with faith. We get to walk in grace. We get to walk in love and share that same hope and blessing with the world around us. We're going to believe for obedience over offering every time. We're not a club. We're a family saved by grace, restored in love, called by God to work together to advance his kingdom. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you so much for the kindness and the grace that you have shown us. I thank you for the blessings, God, that you have given us. Lord, in every season and every circumstance, you have been faithful again and again and again and again and again. God, I thank you that you have made us a part of your family. You have adopted us as your sons and your daughters. Lord, to be made whole. Lord, you've given us a fresh start. I pray, O oh God, that our prayers would be heard because, Lord, they would be the prayers birthed by your Spirit inside of us. Lord, I God, I pray that as we worship, Lord, your heart would be touched and honored because, Lord, we worship out of our deep love and desire to grow close to you. And God, for those of us that are on this journey of understanding, those of us that need a little help, God, I pray that you would come and you would purify our hearts, our motives. Lord, that you would make us whole and righteous again that you would make us right in your eyes. Lord, would you continue to extend your hand of grace to all of us. Lord, may we have the courage and the humility, Lord, to accept your forgiveness. Lord, I pray once again, Lord, for those that, Lord, seem far from you, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the people that you are calling so that we can reach out to them with love. We can reach out to them, O oh God, with hope. And show them that in their craziness, in their circumstance, in their storm, we can see and let them have their but God moment as well. See, but God sent North Shore Church. God sent this person and that person from our family. In the season of chaos, in the season of uncertainty, in the season of sickness, God sent us. He fills us with his spirit. So God, I pray you'd fill us again with your Holy Spirit, that we would be your hands and your feet to do the things you've called to do so the world that's far from you can get close, oh God. In your name we pray. Amen.